You're listening to the Exchange Place Podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Exchange, where our hearts, souls, and ears come together for reciprocity and transformation. I am your host, Deborah Faith, and when we get together, we explore topics that help us to better understand ourselves and one another. The Exchange is my personal invitation for you to take inventory of your life. This is our space to be free, vulnerable, transparent. So live in it, learn from it, invite others to it, and most of all, protect it. Take care of it and it will take care of you. and we are evolving. I'm so excited today to have a special guest. Now, I told y'all with this whole evolving that I've met some super amazing people that weren't necessarily in Jersey, so we will be bringing them to you a little bit different because we are what, y'all? We are evolving, so this is the evolution. I know that you guys are so used to kind of me being in the studio but I have, when I say a heavy hitter in here today, um, we have Dr. V with us today, who is, who, who is a author, who is a amazing coach, and she is, she's a great speaker, which you guys will get to hear all of the gems and jewels that I know she's going to drop on us today. Um, but most of all, she's my dentist sister, y'all. I have told y'all so much about, I know you feel like you know, um, Pastor Darius Daniels, who is not only my pastor, but also my coach and mentor. And in the den, we always say that, that, that everything is in the den. So I was blessed enough to connect with my sister. Um, and you're just a gem. I just want to, I want to thank you first and foremost for taking time out. To even come on the show, I heard your story um, in a live that you had done with Dr. D, and I was blown away. I was really like, wow, I really wanted you to come on the show and share um, your experiences. But most of all, just to look at relationships different, I think um, mm -hmm. we have uh, these relationship goals, and I thought you would be the perfect person to come on and just Again, drop some gems on us today, Dr. V. Drop some gems. I don't, yeah. I, <laughs> thank you so much for having me today. Um, and I'm not sure what type of gems I will be dropping. Um, but yeah, the, the idea for me in terms of relationship goals, um, for me was really rooted and grounded in the way in which I was raised. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about this when I was on the live with um, Dr. Darius, which was I was raised with one of those ride or die type of mentality. Like when it comes to relationships, um, you should be whatever you should do, whatever you can always count on me. Um, and it wasn't until later on in life where I made so many mistakes and so many failures um, that mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit really revealed to me that that was not of him. That was of culture. 
And for me, I spent, um, I was in my relationship for 15 years, seven years I dated. Um, and then I got married to that same person for eight years. And, um, I thought he was the man of my dreams. <laughs> I told somebody one day, I said, "Woo, it must've been the Lord. Cause I think he's an angel who sit directly um, for me. And a lot of that had to do with the way that I saw myself. He really represented what I thought I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, um, California girl here. I grew up in, um, South central LA. So, you know, mm -hmm. he talks about how to survive in South central. That was me. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a very, um, urban setting, of course, went to a predominantly African-American high school. And it wasn't until I went to college where it was only 2.3% of African-American students. It was like whitey, white, white. Um, <laughs> and um, it was really a culture shock for me. And so I really tried my best to fit in. And I thought all the black people who went to the college I went to had a similar upbringing as I did and they did not. And so mm. they called me different kinds of names. Like they called me ghetto and that I was hood. And I was like, well, what does that really mean? Right. Mm -hmm. I had, listen, I had gold chains dripping all down my neck. I had rings on every finger. And sometimes I had rings, two rings on one finger. And so I, I can connect. <laughs> so I was like, hey, this is what it's supposed to be like. And so I started um, I started to change myself so that I could adapt to what the culture was so that mm -hmm. I could um, less loud because I was called that too a social butterfly. Somebody said everybody knows when you walk in the room because I was like, hey. Uh, <laughs> and, and so when I graduated from um college, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area and um, I was in law school and I had an internship um, at Wells Fargo. And this is where I met who I thought was the man of my dreams. And he represented everything that I wasn't and that I wanted to be. So he had, he was very poised, um, very mm -hmm. incredibly articulate. Um, he was an English major. I was like, gosh, I never met a black man who majored in English. <laughs> um, and he had a very commanding presence. I mm -hmm. thought he was a lawyer. He was a paralegal who worked there and he was also in law school. And so um, he wasn't the type of guy that I was used to dating. So I think back then it was like, you know, guys who wore the creased um, white shirts or <laughs> white beaters. And so, um, and so I would really gravitate toward him because again, he represented the person I really wanted to be. And he said mm -hmm. to me, um, that reflected that. So he told me, he saw that I had a lot of grace and poise and I was like, what? Okay. Um, he said, he thought that, um, he said, I look like a gazelle because I had so much confidence when I walked and I was like, Hey, you fake it till you make it. Um, and so I just went through this whole season of my life where I was trying to be someone who I wasn't. And so when we ultimately got married, I think sometimes when you try to be somebody who you're not, the real you will eventually come out. But I really didn't know. You just don't know yourself. You think you do um, and you don't. And so I, I get into this marriage and my ride or die started to kick in and he had a very domineering personality. And what that might look like was that he would never raise his voice. But, you know, when he said something, it was like, OK, it was the book of James. It was the book. Wow. Of Right. It's the book of John. It's the book of whomever. Right. You, you start looking at this person and you elevate them and you put them on a pedestal. And mm -hmm. so I think for me, um, 
for myself, I really started to morph in who I thought he wanted me to become. And so, so can we can we talk about that for a minute? Because I, I think you you said I think most people who are listening can 100 percent relate to you in one one or or another area. Just like me, I know what again growing up with the ride or die mentality, right? Um, I think I want to go back to that just to to start. Like, where do you think that do you think that came from? I know for me, right? I grew up in a very urban area, and loyalty or what was thought to be loyalty to other people were was more important than loyalty to myself. So can you tell us that, about like when you when did you realize you had that like ride or die, you know what I mean, mentality and that you were moving and that was that prior to meeting him or was that after I was raised with the ride or die because my my mom is a ride or die. Her. <laughs> and so um it just it kicked in so any type of relationship that I was in I always felt like I'm down with you I'm down for you now don't do something stupid and illegal uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna ride out with you in a very specific way and so um I was raised that way and I think the culture at the time really um glorified that right yeah look at back in the day um Uh, I think it was was a little bit different. I think LL Cool J kind of like brought that out in some ways. And so, you you know, you start to see yourself in these images um, in these music videos and things like that. And you're like, yeah, that's just, I'm like that too. That's very much me. And so what you don't realize is that you take those things into relationships and you don't Mm. always see that those things are not good and they're not of God, right? Mm -hmm. And so I went through this whole season of kind of like trying to discover who I was, but I really didn't get to that point until the relationship ended. I didn't get to wow. that So one day, um, my then husband came home and just, I felt ambushed. He came home, he <laughs> went to a Warriors game and came back and said, I think seven words that really changed my life is like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, uh, do what? And he said, this relationship. And I was devastated because I mean, really in my heart, if I'm being honest, I worshiped him. I worshiped the way that he communicated, the way that he carried himself, everything about him. And so when you, make that type of investment, right? You make, and it wasn't perfect, but I think mm-hmm. I had the, the mentality of like, hey, I want to get out what I put in. So I put in a lot of work. I put in a lot of tears. You know, you sow it, you sow the tears, you sow the yeah. work, and all these different things um, only for someone to just say, they don't want to do it anymore. They just want to leave. And it wasn't, we didn't have the type of relationship where we were laying hands on each other, where we were um, arguing because he had this really calm demeanor um, about mm-hmm. that really helped me to also be calm. And so um, I, I wrote about this in my book and the title of my book is called From Pain to Purpose and How I Came to Know God. Really, that's what it's about. Um, mm-hmm. The season of divorce and infidelity and betrayal and debt. And so I really describe, you know, you watch these shows when people break up and it always seems like it's really explosive. It wasn't like that. And so wow. when they want to leave, you see on TV, somebody's packing up and they're leaving. But what happens when they say they want to leave and you get right in the same bed with that person and you just guys turn back to back and you're like, yo, what am I supposed to do next? And you're just crying. <laughs> yeah. So, so once he said that, what was your response to him? Was it was it like a why uh, explanation or was it like dead silence? So like, hey, we're just going to 
go back to doing, like you said, we're going to go to bed and kind of turn back to back. Like, what were you thinking at that particular point for somebody just out of the blue? You really think like, why? What happened? What is it? What can I do differently? Tell me, mm-hmm. I will fix it. I will correct it. Um, Because that was a part of my people pleasing spirit. I wanted to please him. So I was like, if I'm doing something, just tell me, I'll stop it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seemed like, uh, not seemed like, child, it was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a desperate cry um, because you don't want it to end. And we had two kids. My kids at the time were three and five. And oh, wow. in the Bay Area, very um, similar to kind of like living in New York, incredibly expensive. So in my mind, I'm thinking, how can I live this life without him? I built this life um, with him. And so it was, um, yeah, just kind of odd. It was in the twilight zone. And in my book, I described it as, um, consider like, think about where you work somewhere for a long time mm-hmm. and you put your heart and soul into it. Now, you, you may not be the top performer, um, but you try incredibly hard. And one day they're just like, you know what? Your services are no longer needed. The company's going to go in a different direction. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it felt like. Wow. Um, And he had already detached himself. So oftentimes, you know, they talk about that seven year itch. That means that it takes them that long to get to the point to even say they want to leave. So it can be on either side. And so Mm -hmm. what you check out in your mind and you check out in your heart. And by the time you say the words, it comes across a little cold, um, Mm -hmm. especially when you weren't expecting it. You just I just wasn't really expecting. Expecting that. And so I did. I want to do something different. <laughs> can I can I ask you this though? Before that, did you feel like you were happy in the marriage or you just felt like you were kind of coasting in what a relationship, you know what I mean? Like just going through the motions of relationship, or was it so shocking because it's like, hey, I'm happy and I feel like we're in a good place. Like, where's this coming from? You know what I mean? Question to ask. Uh, I mean, I don't know. So some of your listeners may have gone through this, but have you ever gone through where you feel like you have these things? So Mm -hmm. you have this marriage that seemingly looks good on the outside. You have the kids, you have the kids in the school you want to have them in. You have the cars, you have some money, um, and you're just like unhappy on the inside. Mm -hmm. Been there. Yeah, I felt that way. But I thought that that was normal. I thought, like, relationships are not perfect. You're not always going to have this um, high, like you feel like you're high, the sensation of being high, like it's, you know, like it's fun all the time. So I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought that, why wasn't I satisfied? And, mm-hmm. and so I remember one day, um, my then husband, we were in the car, and he said he felt like I was a passenger in the relationship. And mm. I was like, well, um, what do you mean I'm a passenger? He says, well, why do I always have to come up with where we go and what we do? And I wanted to say, and I just didn't speak my mind. I wanted to say, because you want to do what you want to do. And if I say, let's go here, you're going to counter it with something else. And we end up doing exactly what it is you say you want to do. And wow. so in, in a big way, I was a passenger in my marriage and I just didn't know it. And mm-hmm. I had feelings of unhappiness, but there was no way I was going to give up on that because I felt like the happiness would ultimately come again. Like you have these moments of, you know, um, of elation, of joy, of having like you have these different emotions of sadness. Um, But I thought that that was just what relationships look like. Gotcha. 
I gotcha. I think a lot of people struggle in that area. As you were talking, I was reminded I've been in a relationship similar to that where um, I think the optics look look mm-hmm. good, um, and it wasn't until I lost my dad, and that kind of it really really opened up. I don't want to say it, it made me see who um, was there for me, so to speak, but it, it made me look at relationships really different. Um, and it made me say, Hey, the per- like, what is your purpose in my life? You know what I mean? And it was a hard decision to make because of course I'm single mom as well. And I have children involved and I was worried. I think I was always more worried, um, in regards to that, what that looked like. I always, my parents were together 40 something years before my dad left here. You know what I mean? And I had this, I had, a vision of what success looked like in relationships, um, as most people I think do, and how I had coined that. Of course, I didn't want to be with anybody else, you know, outside of, and this is probably not going to sound strange in 2022, but old school values of like, hey, you don't have kids with someone and then be with someone else. I just couldn't, I mentally couldn't get past that, right? It kept me in a relationship for a really long time that really didn't serve me and no, you know, no pun intended to him. It just didn't, it really didn't serve who I was. It didn't serve my purpose. It didn't serve where I was going. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at a time I cared um, and not that I shouldn't care what, you know, how my, my children are impacted, but I definitely was more focused on their happiness than mine. Like I felt like I would endure or have this almost like sacrificial love in that space and place. And eventually I would be able, like, I would be okay. Cause once they got older, it would just kind of work out. I'm not really sure where I was then, you know, thinking back, but yeah. I love that. I, I love that. A, I love that you had the courage after he, he came to you and kind of said that to, to look inward. Cause it sounds like even when, when you describe your book, the, the pain to purpose that that whole situation and all of those events kind of led you back to you. And a lot of times I feel like we're looking for mm-hmm. happiness in other and through other people. And we don't really look at ourselves and say, hey, is that really going to make me happy? Yeah, you know I, what think, I, mean? I do. I know exactly what you're saying. And I would I would put a caveat to what you said, which mm-hmm. is a thing. So um, so first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. Um, but just kind of like a caveat around this whole idea of relationship is that um, oftentimes we grab the way that relationships should look from culture or based yeah. off of what we see in, you know, our parents' relationship, or we try to do the complete opposite of what that looks like. And what I love about Pastor Michael Todd um, and Transformation Church and his whole book of relationship goals is really talking about doing relationships God's way. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I was able to find myself was when I found myself through Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's different when, because culture and your life experiences will shape and define often who you are. But when you take all of that to God, God can strip that down and say, no, this is who you are. You are my child. You are my son or you are my daughter. 
And this is what I've said about you. So I've gotten to the point in my life where if it's not said in the word of God, then I don't believe what comes out of your mouth. So you can't call me something that God has not already called me. If you're not calling me blessed and <laughs> the apple of your eye, like, right. Um, I don't have to accept whatever you have to say, but I was so conditioned to except this version of myself that I really thought was true. And it was really shaped from culture and experiences. And I think my whole world just changed when I looked at myself through the lens of Christ. And Mm -hmm. I know that sounds incredibly religious for perhaps some people like, and it almost sounds unbelievable, but I think when you have literally hit rock bottom in your life and Mm -hmm. when feel like your confidence is gone, when you feel like you've been a failure in every area of your life, you know, you start like reflecting on some things and Mm -hmm. who am I? And then you feel like, well, do I have to reinvent myself? And I see a lot of people doing that. And I think they're kind of like heading in the wrong direction with that. But for I had a friend who reintroduced me to to Christ. So I grew up in the church. Listen, Mm -hmm. I went to church on Sunday, like I said, Sunday school, um, vacation, Bible study, all that stuff. And I still didn't know God. And I was afraid. Say that again for the audience. (laughs) You can go to church and not have a relationship with Christ. And I did not have that. And so, and I didn't know how to pray. So when I had hit this season of desperation and brokenness in my life. And it was like, who do I go and where do I turn to? So my best friend had this beautiful and still has this beautiful relationship with God. And she prayed me through. And so it was the first time that someone had ever prayed for me out loud. Mm -hmm. That was the first audible prayer that I heard for me. I've heard prayers in church. I was like, well, they don't have anything to do with it. And so when she started praying for me, that was the only time, honestly, that I felt peace in my spirit because I felt tormented. I felt like when I went to sleep, I felt like I was waking up in the middle of the night crying. I felt like my heart was racing. I was just so upset. And so, but when she prayed for me, I didn't feel tormented in my mind. I started thinking like, well, did he leave me because of this? Did he leave me because of that? Now, ultimately I found out that he was in a relationship with somebody at his office. Um, right. And that was devastating for me, but it was one of those things where you start making up these stories, you start creating these stories in your mind. And if you start creating anything in your mind, whatever you believe becomes reality. It's just true. true. Um, (laughs) When she prayed for me, it stripped some of that stuff off of me and I would always feel better. And I was like, what is this that she's doing? that helps me to feel this way. And I just remembered one day she was praying for me and I'm gonna be real honest. When you're going through torture and hell like that, I picked up the phone and I, you know, we all have somebody. I pray that we all have somebody we can turn to. I would pick up the phone and she would say hello. And I would just say, hit it. And she knew I meant hit those prayers because (laughs) I right now slap me over the head with a prayer. (laughs) I needed to feel like, I didn't want to feel that feeling of anxiety. I didn't want to feel depressed anymore. I didn't want to, you know, feel broken anymore. I didn't want my kids to look at a mother who was constantly crying. And I felt like I had to hide that from my kids. And, you know, Mm. it was times where we were living hand to mouth, um, paycheck to paycheck. And I didn't have money to put in my in my gas tank. I was calling all these credit card people just to see how much can I put $20 on this and $20. $20. And at the time, this is when gas in the Bay Area had gone up to $5 a gallon. Ooh. 
Well, I was like, I can't make it to work. So I would tell my kids, okay, we're going to have a stay at home day. And they're like, yay. They didn't know that I just didn't have money to put in my tank. Meanwhile, he was in Aspen. He was in London. He was just traveling, spending money because he was a lawyer. And so he, you know, made a whole bunch more money because I decided to pursue education instead of, right. And it was just um, these moments where I just started feeling like my life sucked. Right. Again, you tell yourself that story long enough, you will believe it. It's a yep. self prophecy. But when she prayed for me, I didn't feel like that. And one day she told me, you know, you're really going to have to pray for yourself. I was, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to pray for myself because growing up in the church, you hear the prayers, but they don't just resonate with you. So like, uh, what is that supposed to sound like? How long am I supposed to pray? I didn't know any of that. And so yeah. I, I was honest and I said, God, you know, God, I don't. And why would he want to hear from me? Because I hadn't prayed in 20 years. Because, you know, also, I was caught up in my life. I was caught up in this man. And I hadn't, I was like, God, who, what? And so she told me, you know, and it changed me because she said, because he created you and he loves you. And when you are in a season and you don't feel loved, to know mm. that the universe loves you, that changes and so that was the first night that I had prayed in 20 years. And I'm going to tell you what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm going to help somebody. My, <laughs> help us. <laughs> it wasn't eloquent. Like my best friend, she would, oh my God. It was like she was praying down and raining fire down from heaven. But when I prayed, I was like, God help me. And it was the best night's rest that I had had in weeks because God heard me and he answered it and he came and comforted me. And I was so excited. And I said, oh my God, he's real. Like that was the first time that I felt the presence of God and that he was real. And so then she was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm happy. She was like, now it's time for you to read your Bible. I said, uh, wait a minute. Um, I, and I was just, you know, I'm keeping it real for your listeners. I said, I'm sorry. What is me reading about people who died over 2000 years ago going to help me in the hell that I'm in right now? But I think I was so desperate. And because I felt that peace, I was like, let me do it. Let me, and I, cause I had a Bible, you know, you grow up in church, you don't have a Bible. Yeah. When I just started reading and I, I wasn't sure where to read. First of all, people say Psalms, Proverbs, the gospel. And I heard this voice and I didn't know at the time it was the Holy spirit. You know, he said, where do you start anytime you pick up a book? In the beginning. So that's in the beginning. <laughs> and I devoured it. And I, when I tell you, it it put me on this path of re- rediscovering who I was through him. Boy, that changed everything for me. Relationship goals. I'm like, um, I've met men who, you know, where do you go to church? This was back in the day when mm-hmm. 49ers still were at Candlestick. He was like Candlestick Park, right? That <laughs> that's where you worship. Okay. Or uh, you know, Jesus is in y- Yosemite. Like, I mean, just the crazy stuff that people would say. I'm like, I'm not trying to be with someone who doesn't know God for himself. Can yeah. I ask you if your your ex-husband did he know God or was he a Christian? Was that not of importance at that particular time? You know, well, we don't even have enough time to even talk about that. But I, <laughs> I, my mom told me because he was not a believer. So this is the buzzword: spiritual. 
Okay. I'm not dating nobody else who says spiritual. Like, right? <laughs> you ain't speaking Jesus because we're unequally yoked. And my mom would tell me that I was unequally yoked with him, but I really didn't understand what she meant. I knew she meant like, I'm a Christian. He's not. But in my mind back then, I was like, well, it ain't like he's worshiping the devil. So <laughs> we good. <laughs> and that's really what I thought. And again, just this warped sense of how you enter into relationships with people. Like, what is it that you really value? Right? Yeah. Um, I don't think we have those conversations, though. I think that's where we get it wrong is that, and I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine, I think entering into relationships, we don't have real conversations and open conversations and people aren't necessarily honest. We have a vision of what relationships look like or your relationship goal looks like, which I always think relationship goals. I love uh, Pastor Todd's book because I think that culture relationship goals, it's like, uh, how can you define only what people are allowing you to see you don't know what goes on behind closed doors you're asking for that and you have no idea if that you know the couple is crying or arguing or doing anything behind the scenes you don't get to see that you only get to see what they allow you to see and that's a dangerous place like you even spoke to where someone gets to see I'm sure probably at that point in your marriage and probably outward looking in it probably looked great people were calling you relationship goals listen people were shocked People were shocked when they found out that my marriage had ended because they thought that it was so great on the outside. And I didn't tell anyone outside of like my close friends. And I later told my parents because I I felt like a failure, right? My parents have been married now for 50 years and they've gone through a lot of hell to remain together. And so I'm like, here I am. I did not, I got in my third year of law school and I decided to make a switch into education. So I felt like, okay, maybe I failed in that, but I got a prize, which was this relationship. Okay, so now that's ended. So I'm failing at that. Okay, and when when he left the relationship and I said this on Pastor Darius's live, which is I got stuck with more than $1.1 million of debt. When I tell you everything was in my- Wait, what? Listen, don't do what I did now. Everything was in my name because although he made more money, um, mm-hmm. I think at the time he was making almost 300000 he made more money, but his credit was crap. And so, you know, the house was in my name. Whew. The credit card debt was in my name. And when somebody is done with you, they don't care that all that stuff is in your name. I had so much stuff in my name. And again, the Bay Area was really expensive. You couldn't get a house for under, like at the time, half a million dollars, unless Ooh. you live in the hood, 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 hood. Um, and so we had this really expensive house. Our kids were in um, private school and it was like, okay, I can't go to Aspen. I can't just get on and go to London and go to Paris. I couldn't do any of that. And so in some ways, seemingly he was living his best life and I'm stuck with all this. And let me add this. So not only was I stuck with all of that debt, mm-hmm. I didn't know because this is when you release your power and you just, just give yourself over that we had IRS debt. I didn't know that because I gave, you know, all my, you know, here's W-2s, you take it, like, you know, sit down with the tax person. Jesus, we had over $100,000 in unpaid taxes. Oh my God. I was working for the state of California. 
And it's easier for them to find me because he was working at private companies. Um, and um, so they started attacking my wages. And I had to fight, like, that was a whole year of trying to convince the IRS to please don't come after me. I didn't know that when I was single, if I owed anything, it was $200. You know, and I was really relying on Jesus. Not in addition to that. So the IRS was pursuing me. That house that we had was upside down. Had to do a short sale on that house. All this credit card debt. And then I got sued by a construction company for $30,000 for work that was done on our our house that my ex-husband decided he wasn't going to pay. And so because the house was in my name, we're gonna have to take a break from all this lord <laughs> you got me over here like Ooh. listen when god steps into your life and he reframes and transforms how you think about your situation i'm telling you all of that stuff god I, when i tell you he has swooped in and a lot of the things that i was going through then i'm not going through now all yeah. that, that did is, is gone right thank um, god yeah, but but then just Okay, so imagine this. The the man you thought was the love of your life and you were going to spend the rest of your life with decides to leave. When he decides to leave, never ask, because I decided, well, let me just move out because we can't afford to stay in this house anyway, so I'm just going to try to sell it later. Um, We had to move out. We moved into an apartment. He never asked where we were moving to. When I say he didn't care, he didn't care. Um, Those are your kids. You don't know where your kids are going? Listen, so just imagine going through that and having to, you know, kind of like relocate yourself, not really having the resources to do so. Then the IRS is now you got to tell people at work, like, okay, in human resources, like, wait a minute, that's not right. This shouldn't be happening. Um, and then I get sued personally. Like when I tell you I was going through hell and I could barely pay those credit cards that because I mean <sighs> that champagne taste. Yeah. And- <laughs> The beauty of all of this is one, I can help other people who have gone through what I've been through. And I don't care if it's a marriage or whatever, because sometimes when you leave something, you don't, you don't leave it whole. Yeah. Um, I tell you that God really kind of, my heart was shattered and I felt like into a million pieces and he literally put every piece of it back together and made it stronger and fortified it. Uh, and I think that's why I'm able to, to really help a lot of people in the, in the consulting and in the coaching space that I do because I'm like, when you start traveling down the path of God's way, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It just means that you're not doing it by yourself. Yeah. And to be the father that he never could be to the kids and a husband that I needed at the time. Right. I mean, oh covers you completely and gives you direction. And so when he said to let it go, I let it go. When he told me not to talk about my ex-husband ever to my kids in a negative way, I didn't do it, even though I wanted to. Um, and so it's just, it's this maturity that starts to happen. If you let it, it's a choice that you have to make. And not everybody, everybody wants to talk about my purpose, my purpose, but you can't have purpose outside of God. And that's what people are trying to do. They're like, well, you know, I think God is doing this and I'm thinking God is doing this. Are you being obedient to God? Like, right. So there's all these things that go along with it. So when people come and talk to me about, I need clarity around my purpose. I'm starting to ask a lot of questions just to see really where you are and what you're doing. Often thinks that um, that purpose is synonymous with their career. That's what they think. I think most people do initially. I think we aren't taught purpose. I think now again, um, now purpose has become more focused, but I know for me, 
I always purpose was attached to what I did for a living. It wasn't, you know what I mean? And it can be, but like finding you, you said something earlier about like looking and being like, who, who am I? I think a lot of people don't take the time. They may think that in their head, but they valid that validation is usually attached to the, their career goals, their relationship goals. And just like, Oh, I was able to obtain this guy who's, as they say now, who has the bag, you know what I mean? Type thing. But I don't think a lot of people understand purpose or no, and walking in purpose. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, so I want to make sure that people get access to my purpose walk quiz. So if you could just put that in the show notes. So if they feel oh, like, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's something that they can kind of take to kind of like figure out where they are. But I love something that Pastor Darius uh, said to us in the den, which is, um, you turn into what you tune into. Mm, that's a good one. Yep. Tuning into something all the time. At some point, you're going to turn into it. So the lyrics that you're listening to, that's how you're going to um, walk some things out in relationships. So if you think you're supposed to be this bad type of person, whatever that might look like for you, if you think that it's always, I'm about to clap back on you right now, then that's what you're going to do in relationships, Right you're not going to really always understand what it means about sacrificial love and what it means to be gentle and kind hearted. Right. Um, because you're tuning into stuff and you're turning into that. And that's manifested in these relationships that you have. And I will be very honest for three years after my ex-husband left, mm-hmm. um, when I got on, I was listening to Joe Olstein. Listen, now I don't care what people say about Joel. If you're feeling bad about yourself, that man will encourage you in the word. <laughs> like I was encouraged. I always felt better about myself and Joyce Meyer. But for three years, my kids were like, can we listen to something else on the radio? No, we listen to Joyce. We listen to Joyce all day, every day, because Joyce is feeding me right now and strengthening me in a way that I've never felt as strong before. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. So going through everything that you, and I, I literally, I, I applaud you because I think so many people can probably relate at one point or, you know, of your story or not. But I think like, I'm just so curious of how you feel about love now and finding love and seeking love when you've been, you know what I mean? Been through that. Sometimes we take that into next relationships. And I know you talked a lot about how God has healed you and, mm-hmm. and set you in your purpose and you're doing so much as coaching, but how do you feel about love now? Cause I think people end up bitter. They end up, you know what I mean? So triggered by certain things where, and people tend to put up walls, mm-hmm. you know, where there should be gates in yeah. those areas. So like, mm-hmm. how, how do you approach the love? Cause I know I'm, I'm hoping that you still want love, you know what I mean? And you're still open to love and marriage and all that good stuff. Cause you deserve it. I'm open to it, but I'm not open to the foolishness. And okay. So, um, I absolutely believe in love. And I think you can have loving relationships and anybody who I interact with, I try to interact from a place of love, whether I know you or not, Um, because I want you to see the God in me, right? That might be your only opportunity. So that's a form of love. I think you're talking about romantic love. How do I not be bitter from being romantic? I love the idea of being married, right? Um, it's something that God created. I'm absolutely not bitter about it. I do not dislike men. Hey, hey, hey. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, but I'm very deliberate in what I do now. Right. Whereas before it was like, you see what you like, you like what you like. Hey, right. You want to get to know this person. Uh, but when I start seeing signs that it's not going to work for me, 
I, I'm very, I try to be very honest and direct. Um, but I try to do it in a way that still reflects the love of Christ. And I can say to somebody, you know what, this is not working for me. Um, this is not what I want for myself. And like, I wish you well and things like that. I can even accept the rejection because I'm like, hey, it's your loss. And the, the beauty of it for me is that um, I look at it as that it wasn't meant to be and I'm okay with that. And so not power puts when it comes to relationships at all, but I'm very deliberate. And so what does that look like? It looks like for me that I don't date a lot unless there's something that I see uh, value and it got to go beyond your list. Cause listen, we're not going to always look good. Right. You know, you got to look good on the inside. And so I really, I look for that. I look for like, is my, like, is my spirit jumping when we speak? Like, are we vibing? Um, um, can you walk alongside of me in purpose? Can I walk alongside of you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Um, or do you have that same approach and attitude when it comes to me? And so there's men out there who say like, yeah, I believe in God. But then when you start peeling back the layers, it's just like, it looks the same way hollow the way that it looked for me. And I don't want that. I just, I want a lot more. And so I value myself. Um, I don't feel lonely or alone at all. Um, I feel so driven by what I know God has called me to do. And I believe that, um, you know, in the right season, at the right time, I'll meet the right person. And I'm okay with that. And I wish anybody, um, any type of joy and love and happiness that you can find in your relationship. But I, I want you to find that in your relationship through Christ first, so that, you know, you will value it in a very different way than the way that we are taught in culture. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. God already stripped a lot of that. So when you get to a place of radical obedience, which is where I was, when God told me not to say something, even as badly as I wanted to say it, like, I just didn't say it. And so then you can forgive somebody because it's not really about, listen, this man has never apologized for leaving me with all that in the way that he, like, he's never apologized about, but I don't need the apology to forgive. I can go ahead and be like, okay, does he still do annoying things? I'm sure that I annoy him to some degree. And that's okay too. I can still move forward and not feel bitter because I feel like God has really delivered me from a lot of stuff that I I had. I'm not completely delivered, but for the most part, there's things that I'm not as easily triggered, I would say. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm I'm literally applauding you. I think you've come such a long way um and most people haven't made it (laughs) through through stuff like that and to be in you know kind of not only working in your purpose moving in your purpose with your book and helping other people you know what I mean through their journey I love that I love that and I applaud you for that I love that you came to you know share with us on the show I hope that the audience I, I want you to leave them with some wisdom um I always do kind of like a wisdom, you know, something you can leave them if you can get, give them some type of wisdom to take away. But I think you've left us with uh, a, a mouthful of, of your experience mm-hmm. and just really um, you said something in your in your last statement that now you're OK with waiting. And I love that because I think sometimes we're in such a rush to get to whatever we consider relationship goals and into relationships. And we go too fast and then you end up in something and it's hard to get out of and hard to untangle what you've entangled yourself into. So can you leave us with just some, if you had some words of wisdom to give, give the audience today, what would that be? Yeah. You know, I I just kind of wanted to piggyback off of something that you just said, kind of like this idea of waiting. 
I would say during your season of waiting, uh, make sure that you go to God and get the healing that you need. Because the last thing you want to do is take brokenness into the next thing, right? So sometimes we pray for, Lord, send me this person. But you're, a, you, you know, you might be an emotional wreck. You might be uh, incredibly hypersensitive or maybe even overly hypersensitive. Like those things need to be addressed. You want to take your best version of yourself into the new thing that you've been praying for uh, with God. You want to take your wholeness into a relationship and not brokenness. And I would also say um, that whatever heartache and pain, um, any type of annoyance or frustration that you have been through or that you might be in always serves a greater purpose, right? But we always have to choose, right? God gives us the opportunity to like choose life or death. And so you choose um, words of life. You choose like this path of life. And so God is always standing with his hands open and just saying, come, like I'm ready to receive you. And so we just have to make that decision to just jump in his direction. Um, and so I encourage anybody to do that. Um, a failed relationship, a failed marriage is not the end of the world. It just makes you stronger. It makes you um, more wise. It makes you better. Um, and then prayerfully you've gotten healed emotionally. And so then that whole experience will make you whole when you go into your next season. I love that. So thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell us just where people can find, find you, um, Instagram, your, uh, YouTube, I'm going to put it all in the, in the box so people can, you know, <laughs> can, can contact you, but I know you also have a podcast. So I wanted to talk, you know, you to talk a little bit about that. So if they want to go over and, and listen and I'll put all of that in the YouTube link so people can find you. Yeah. So I show up more frequently on Instagram. So my handle is I am Dr. Vernell. So I A M D R V as in victory, E R N E L L. Um, so on Instagram, um, I have all kinds of links there that you can kind of get in contact with me. I am the host of the Awaken to Purpose podcast. And that podcast is really talking about relationship recovery, right? So the rise and fall and of relationships and then the rise again through Christ. Um, so people who have these incredible stories to share. Um, of how they've been able to overcome the brokenness and the pain. So that's the podcast. Um, I just started a little, uh, my YouTube channel. I still got to get that thing off the ground. I got to hire somebody to help me with that. I still haven't quite figured that out, but I am on YouTube. Um, you can find me under Dr. Vernell. Um, last name is Delon, D-E-S-L-O-N-D-E. Um, would love, love, love if you guys, if you don't know, um, what God has called or created you to do, you can always schedule some time with me and please take the purpose walk quiz. Um, it's really great quiz, lots of buzz around it. Um, and then I'm happy to share whatever else is going on once you join my email list. Yay. Yay. So we shall, we'll talk to you soon. Maybe you'll come back and bless us with some more <laughs> gems and jewels. But I, again, I just, I thank you for taking the time out and until next time, you guys. See you next show.